I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're The Editing Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to The Editing Podcast. So this week, we're going to be chatting about a question that's often asked by people who are at right at the beginning of setting up an editing or proofreading business. And that question is, do I need a website? So we've discussed this together many a time, haven't we, Denise? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And our view is a definitive yes. So one way of explaining why we think that is, is by switching the question around. Yeah, so in which case the question becomes, why shouldn't I have a website? So perhaps you're thinking that you only want to work for publishers and you'll get in touch with them directly so you don't need a website. Yeah, or maybe you're currently, you currently get all your work from this or that directory or via word of mouth. So you think having your own website is irrelevant. Or maybe you've heard about a colleague who's been editorial freelancing for years and they've said that they've got by without a website for their entire career. So it really isn't necessary to have one. Yeah, and all those responses are worthy of consideration. So let's tackle them. So publishers, I used to work only for publishers and Denise, you still work for publishers, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's true that to get on those publishers lists, I did concentrate on getting indirect contact rather than waiting to be discovered via this or that online platform. Yeah, yeah, me too. But, you know, back when we started our business, well over a decade ago the world was a little different Mm. and things have changed and I've been told by publisher clients in recent years that their being able to validate me via my online presence was critical to the decision to hire me. Yeah yeah me too and that makes sense these days because when an editor or proofreader gets in touch with a publisher having a website means they can check you out and get Mm. a sense of whether you have a good eye for clean layout and an acceptable command of standard spelling grammar and punctuation and in that sense your website's providing a potential publisher client with an early sort of quality control check yeah yeah exactly yeah but there's there is something else to bear in mind just because you only want to work with publishers now doesn't mean that you will five years from now yeah. And and Louise, you're actually a good example of that, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So over the years, Louise has shifted to working exclusively for indie authors and having a strong, visible online presence in which she solves problems for that community means that she's interesting and findable. And that means she's been able to make the decision to not work for publishers. Yeah, and I was able to make that transition over time rather than doing it in a rush or because of a crisis. Being findable online means that even if you do want to work with publishers, you're not dependent on that client group. You can also be accessible to others who might be a good fit for your services, which is how you've approached it, Denise. And mm. you, you do still choose to work for some publishers, but you're not dependent on them because you have a strong web presence. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it, you know, it's choice and control every time. Yeah. So what about the second response? Uh, perhaps you currently get all your work from, you know, one directory or another or, or via word of mouth. Now, does that mean that having your own website is irrelevant? Again, that directory or website might be serving you now. But what about next year? Having a website means that you're taking steps to future proof your business. And even if word of mouth and directory sources of work are sustainable, are you missing out on amazing opportunities that might have come your way if only you'd had a visible, 
branded online presence. Mm. Perhaps there are better paying clients out there just looking for someone like you with material you'd love to edit. Oh, yeah, they are out there somewhere. (laughs) So now let's look at the third response. And that's the colleague who's been an editorial freelancer for years and who says they've got by without a website for their entire career. And we do have colleagues who've been freelancing for, you know, three decades and they've managed perfectly well without a website. But that's not the world I came into when I started my business back in 2011. And I came to editorial freelancing a few years before you. And I think I entered at the point where things were were changing, where digital Mm. platforms and online visibility were coming to the fore. But from then on, the shift was quick. Mm. And so were the expectations that came with it. And while most of us probably know at least one colleague who got by without having a website, that's not a reason for us to respond to the world we're in now in the same way. A world where being visible and accessible online are expected yeah I mean that's just so true yeah Yeah. so let's dig into that issue of expectation because it's true isn't it people do expect business owners to have websites Microsoft has one Nike has one my hairdresser has one (laughs) so does my plumber yeah when I come across a business that doesn't have one that leaves me frustrated at the very least because I can't do my initial due diligence But even worse, it raises red flags because my perception of that business is, rightly or wrongly, that they're unprofessional at best or trying to hide something at worst. Yeah, yeah. And and given that creating a basic but attractive website is incredibly easy and cost effective with the likes of WordPress or Weebly and Wix and the pre-designed templates they offer I really can't imagine what would be stopping a professional editor or proofreader from taking advantage of the opportunity if there's a risk that not doing so might raise trust issues and deny that freelancer visibility opportunities yeah So some people might respond to to that by saying, well, I do have an online presence because I'm very active on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. But the issue with this is that it's half baked, I think, because those people are operating solely in spaces that effectively they're just renting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and while there is some basic branding work that you can do to make your social media business presence recognisable, you're still really limited in terms of design and content, so many other things. Yeah, that's spot on. And with your own website, you can decide exactly what content to include and how much and where to put it, how the visitor will navigate, which calls to action, action to place where, what to incorporate into your contact form, what colour palette to use, where your logo will sit, <laughs> which pages to share and where. And so much and more. On. You could have gone on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so true that no social media platform offers anywhere like that level of control or flexibility just there is not one why should they really I mean their goal isn't to promote our businesses their goal is to encourage social engagement and networking to their own ends absolutely (laughs) they've got a different agenda yeah yeah certainly we can use social media platforms as business promotion tools uh, but they're a conduit nothing more those spaces need to include links that lead somewhere to a space that tells an interested party more than they they can discover via a tweet face group Facebook group or LinkedIn thread and that means having a website Mm. plus I think we can think of it like this if a client's already taken in an interest in you via social media 
they've demonstrated an interest in engaging in a digital space. Sure, yeah, yeah. And that means that editors and proofreaders need to be following through and making sure that they've got that branded digital space mm. that's ready there for that interested party to explore in more depth and discover the answers to the questions they are most likely to ask. Can this editor solve my problems? That's absolutely the nub of it. And it's the question every editor's website should be answering. But there's another thing. If you're serious about being a visible editor and making a career of this, one of the first things you need to do is acknowledge the competition. Yeah, and most of that competition already has a website. (laughs) (laughs) Which means that if you don't, a potential client can dismiss you and instead go on to pursue the thousands of editors who do have websites and who are using those spaces to show that they're in business and that those businesses are a going concern. Yeah, if you don't have one, it's not that you'll struggle to win the race for the perfect client. It's that you're not even on the starting blocks. Actually, you're not even in the stadium. Yeah, you're invisible. You're outside the gates. And and no professional business owner would seriously consider actively making a decision to reduce their visibility or limit it to a single social media platform. It's also a huge assumption that all your potential clients are using, say, LinkedIn or Facebook or, or Twitter to find editorial help because, you know, Google, <laughs> that's where millions of people go to find answers to their questions. And while social media feeds sometimes show up in that space, mostly it's websites. Yeah, it really is. So if you want to be a professional editor, proofreader and take control of your digital presence, and maximize the chances of being found and your services explored, create a website. If you love social media, great. Carry on using it. But it should be a compliment, not a replacement. Mm-hmm. If you hear colleagues who've been in the business since before you were born saying they can do without one, respect their position, but don't assume it's your position. Yeah, because it's absolutely not. We're recording this in 2022 and having a website is simply basic foundational business practice. And without it, you're screaming that you're behind the times. And that message shouldn't be part of any professional editor's brand identity. (laughs) And in another episode soon, we're going to talk about when you should start crafting your website. Mm. But for this, that's it for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. You can rate, review and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever platform you prefer. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. So if you'd like to help support the editing podcast, you can join our Patreon community for as little as £3 a month and get exclusive access to live Q&As for just a few pounds more. We'd love to have you on board. So if you're interested, hop over to patreon.com forward slash editing podcast. We'll pop a link in the show notes for you. In the meantime, she's been Denise. And she's been Louise. Join us again soon. Bye. Bye.